welcome to the Modern Homesteading Podcast. We have allowed ourselves to become so disconnected and ignorant about something that is as intimate as the food that we eat. Be prepared to grow your own for victory. John said I need somebody strong enough to clear trees and heave bales, yet gentle enough to yean lambs and wean pigs and tend the pink foamed pullets who will stop his mower for an hour to splint the broken leg of a meadowlark. So God made a farmer. Hello and welcome to the Modern Homesteading Podcast. My name is Harold Thornbro, and I'm not joined today by Rachel, but I'm joined by Cannon Kirby, and uh, we're going to talk about we're going to talk about his homestead, but we're also going to talk about fishing today. Cannon, how are you doing? I'm doing well. How are you doing? I'm doing good. Uh, we, uh, you're a big fisherman. I see the pictures all the time on your Instagram and on uh, uh, Facebook and stuff. You just you're always posting these big old uh, big old bass you're catching down there on the lake, and I want to hear a little bit more about that. Uh, before we get into that, though, uh, you're a homesteader first, right? I mean, you, you've got a homestead there. Uh, we do. Yes. Uh, we, um, well, we wanted to purchase uh, property on a lake. It didn't have to be large acreage or anything like that. But where uh, we live in central Florida, it's hard to find lakefront property at a reasonable price. And so we looked outside the city. We started looking outside the city a little wise and uh, came across this uh, 12 acres. It was a two-year-old home. Uh, on a lake and it's a private lake it's about a hundred acres uh or so uh, there's three of us currently that live on it there's one more that's moving in as uh, building a house right now uh gets very little pressure on the lake and uh was just kind of a dream come true scenario um and yeah we started homesteading i was a little tentative of calling myself a homesteader uh of course and but wanted to um you know, do justice to the property and uh, rather than just leaving it out there um, with nothing on it. And so I started searching for uh, information on homesteading and I actually came across your, your, uh, your podcast is about five wow. years ago and started listening to modern homesteading podcasts. Um, every time I was out mowing or working in the yard or anything, <laughs> And got more and more comfortable with calling myself a homesteader. Good. Uh, <clears throat> you're like, well, this guy's doing it. I guess I can. He ain't good as much as me. So. <laughs> no, it was great. You were a great inspiration. And I uh, started adding a little bit at a time. Uh, started with chickens, like most people do. Yeah. And uh, and now we have, uh, we've got goats, uh, mm -hmm. Nigerian dwarf goats. Um, and uh, we milk those. And we have... Uh, kids we just actually somebody picked up one this morning and i've seen the picture already on instagram <laughs> somebody picked up two dolings uh yesterday um and so um we're getting back to where we can just start milking uh, the the kids have weaned off and uh we make cheese and uh just drink it it's delicious so uh, yeah, it's awesome um but we have cows uh that we raise for meat we have uh um, New Zealand rabbits that we raise for, for meat. Um, we have chickens, uh, lots of chickens. We incubate them and, uh, we raise the roosters to, uh, for the pot and keep the egg layers for, for eggs. Uh, my son sells awesome. them and we give away a lot of them. Um, on, uh, um, we planted at the beginning, 
based on listening to your podcast, we planted early fruit trees. So we've got mm. quite a few varieties out there. We lost a few, uh, a couple in uh, the freeze. We had two freezes last year. We hadn't had freeze in about three or four years, and we had two right in a row. So I lost a couple of fruit trees. But Now, what part of Florida are you in? We're in central Florida. So uh, we're actually in Alturas. Uh, we, I grew up in Lakeland, which is about 30 minutes away from here. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay. Alturas is uh, right between Bartow and Lake Wales. 15 yeah. Either way, so. so you're just able to grow a whole lot of stuff that I'm not able to grow up here. That's for sure. As far as trees go. We are. Um, our garden, we've been, we've been doing a garden for years, but uh, uh, the goats, we've had a little hard time. We had a buck that was insistent on getting out. Mm, yeah. uh, it's made it harder to grow uh, a garden the last couple of years, but we just sold him off. Uh, just, We'll get some new blood in, but also just kind of calm down things, and hopefully we can get uh, our fall garden in and uh, and and, uh, and a winter or sorry, a spring garden next spring. And yeah, see, so you you pretty much grow year round where you're as far as the garden goes in, right? Yeah, yes, yeah. You sometimes you probably grow certain things better in that late fall garden than you do in the, the spring garden. I'm sure, like some of your leafy greens and things like that going into the winter time. Yeah. It gets really, really hot here. I mean, yeah. yesterday, I think the heat index was 107. Uh, about all we can grow in the summer is okra and uh, black-eyed peas. Um, peppers will last for a little while, but even they start fading off. Wow, they can't even handle it, huh? Yeah. <laughs> Wow. But, yeah. uh, we, have to, we, have, we have honeybees also. I forgot to mention that. Oh, yeah. Great. Well, on those really hot days, I guess that's a good time. You can't do any gardening. You might as well go fishing, right? Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> well, how did you just fall in love with fishing? I mean, it's just always been a big part of your life or is it just something you uh, got into after you moved on the lake or what? Yeah. So my, and I, I don't remember a time where I wasn't fishing. My mom said I was fishing from the point I could walk. Um, mm-hmm. My dad was a big fisherman and he used to take old poles and tie on strings and a no hook, but a, you know, a rubber worm <laughs> and I just run that back and forth through the water. That was fishing. Yeah. Uh, but um, mostly we've been in central Lakeland, but for a stint there, my dad was working, uh, on Estera Island, uh, which they call Fort Myers beach now. Okay. Um, it was, uh, way less developed than it is now back then. But, um, I remember even in preschool, I mean, first thing in the morning, I'd wake up, I'd walk my brother who's four years older than me to the bus stop. I carry both of our fishing poles down to the dock and I would fish all day long until he got yeah. out of school. And, uh, and, uh, we come home with big stringers of whiting and, and things like that. My mom would cook them up for us. So as long as I can remember, I've been fishing. You, you've always lived in Florida. Always lived in Florida. Except in college, I was in Chattanooga, Tennessee. For okay. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I, I was my high school years. I spent in Tennessee and there was where well, the fishing down there was really good. We lived right next to a lake. It was just kind of down the hill from us. And, you know, I was about, 14 i was walking down there like every day and just hooking everything i could and uh yeah some good fishing down there uh, yeah same way fishing my whole life and uh now i got a grandson and he loves fishing and we go fishing all the time so yeah i love the fit yeah i love that that you grew up fishing because it, it makes an impact on you for life i mean it's just memories that you'll have and skills that you'll develop and and um and it looks like you've, you've developed a lot of skill. It looks like you do a lot of sport fishing, though, not just by, not just fishing for the homestead as far as meat goes. You do some – I see you hooking some fish that you're probably putting back, aren't you? Yeah, so on, on our lake uh, and really anywhere else, we I, I, I anything over two pounds I let go. Um, yeah. 
especially on our lake, we have an abundance of one pounders, one to two pounders. And so when we're harvesting fish to eat, that's what we're keeping. One to two pounders, bigger than that goes back in. But yeah, the biggest one I've caught out there and and those kind of just come in between when we're catching the smaller ones. And when the for the pictures, right? That's right. (laughs) When the when the food is full, we, we don't even keep the smaller ones. But um, mm-hmm. but yeah, the the biggest bass I've caught on there is 11 pounds, 7 ounces. And we've caught multiple over 10 and a slew, you know, in the in the yeah. to 9 pound range also. Uh, the guy I bought the house from uh, caught a 15.7 out of there. Oh, I haven't seen one that size. And my neighbors caught three in the 13 pound range, but... I'm still sitting at 11.7. My second one is 11.2. Yeah, Florida's definitely a different uh, environment for fish than here in Indiana. We don't catch them that big here, but we get some nice nice ones, but not like that. That's for sure. Oh, yeah. Well, We're full of fish down here. Yeah. So you do stock the freezers. You, keep, you eat lots of fish. I mean, it's a big part of you, the, the meat supply for your homestead then. Yeah. So those young bass are delicious, and we, we keep a lot of those. Uh, another big way that I, I run trot lines uh, mm-hmm. for catfish. Uh, the, mm-hmm. For recreational, you can only run 25 hooks at, at a time down here. But if you get your freshwater commercial license, which is still, if you're a resident, it's only $25, still covers your freshwater fishing license also. And you can run as many hooks as you want to pretty much. Wow, that's so, uh, I have a dinner box uh, that we call that, and it's got about uh, 60 hooks on it. Uh, that's the one I put out normally, but then when we've gone out on some of the big lakes, we'll, we'll drop a thousand hooks out there sometimes. And, hmm. uh, you can stock up a lot of really good catfish that way. Yeah. I mean, you can put, I mean, if you really wanted to you put hundreds of pounds of fish, if you want enough freezers and, and things like Absolutely. that to, to keep them. And you could put a lot of meat, a lot of meat in the freezer for sure. Absolutely. We do. And, uh, yeah. uh we try not to take out too much or anything like that but like i said even on our lake there's such an abundance of one yeah. that we really need to pull yeah. some of those out just to kind of manage the lake and make sure, sure there's enough uh feed out there for uh the big bass too yeah do you catch a lot of do you do, you do any pan fishing i mean do you catch the like the bluegill and the crappie and things like that too or bluegill crappie speckled perch um we do um uh when the uh shell cracker bedding and the pads will go in there with just little cane poles and uh, crickets uh, or minnows. Nice. Catch a slew of those. And that's some of the best eating you can oh, get. Oh, yeah. That's what I was getting ready to say. I, I really prefer those. I mean, yeah, they're a lot smaller and whatnot. But, boy, I tell you what, that's some good eating right there. Yeah, the crappie is my favorite by far. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, yep. uh, if you really want to catch them consistently out here, you got to go out at night with some spotlights. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. We catch them during the day all the time, just when we're bass fishing. Um, but uh, if you want to catch a slew of them, we really we go out at night and do that. Yeah, yeah, that's what I always have the best luck with them too. And you just getting a big, big mess of them all at once. Like you won't have nothing biting, and then once you hit one, they just come in them schools, and you'll start hooking them right and left. Yeah, I love that. Exactly right. (laughs) So, I guess I wanted to when I'm thinking about other people maybe getting in there's a lot of people who are just getting into homesteading. I mean, it's just becoming a movement that's just, you know, it's growing every day. People are, there's a lot of things affecting that. I mean, they just look at the, the world we live in. They're like, okay, I want to, I want to have some of my own food, maybe for financial reasons, maybe just for security reasons, maybe for health reasons. There's a lot of reasons people are wanting to have their own food and maybe they're not 
maybe they're new to fishing. Maybe it's something they've never done before or whatever. What kind of, like somebody's just getting started, what do you think they might need to really get, to get going in fishing? I mean, you've got, you've got the boat, you've got all the fancy equipment, you got everything. What does that new person need? Yeah, uh, I mean, you, you don't need anything fancy to stock Fishing up. Pole, right? <laughs> stock up on a ton of bluegill or brim, uh, you know, a cane pole or a simple spinning rod, uh, hook and some bread down here. That's all you really yeah, need. Yeah, yeah. Fill a freezer full of those. But, uh, you know, if you want to get into the bass fishing, you, you might have to get out on the lake a little further. You walk mm-hmm. walk a lot of the edges of our lakes uh, down here, even the public lakes. <laughs> and, uh and do really well from the shore. Yeah. Uh, but I would suggest, you know, start off, you know, with live bait. If you haven't fished artificial uh, shiners for, for bass, minnows even, uh, mm-hmm. but for the blue, uh, bluegill worms, crickets. And mm-hmm. like I said, bread, a, a little ball of bread will, will do the yeah. trick for those too. Yeah. Um, when you get a little more advanced, mostly I, I use a lot of worm down here. Uh, we've got mm-hmm. a decent amount of vegetation, submerged vegetation, uh, lily pads. Uh, thankfully, we don't have hydrilla in our lake because it can just take over. I mean, I like hydrilla to a degree, but it's hard to manage it. Yeah. Um, but uh, I, 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 so I th- I'm throwing weedless a lot. And I'm throwing plastics, so soft plastics. Even my swim baits are soft plastic, weedlessly rigged. Um, I'll throw the, when I've caught a slew of small fish, I'll want to try to catch something bigger. I'll throw on a big seven, eight inch swim bait and throw mm-hmm. that around. Um, but yeah, those, those, those are pretty simple that you're throwing out there and just reeling it back into the boat and yeah. you get bit. I, I take kids out on our, we take our youth group out there on our lake every year. Nice. Uh, these kids have never caught fish in their life and I'll just throw shiners on and troll those around or, I have brush piles out there and we'll throw worms on them and just, I'll just run them back and forth over the brush pile and they get bit. And, uh, and, and so that, I would say that if you're going to do live bait for bigger fish like bass, I would say use circle hooks. You don't have to worry so much about setting the hook, mm-hmm. uh, which is kind of a skill in itself. Yeah. Uh, you just kind of reel down and apply some pressure and it usually hooks them pretty well. Right. Yeah. That's what I do with the, my, my youth group. Just use circle hooks. And I just said, don't set the hook and just, just reel and let them, let them hook themselves. Yeah. 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 yeah we well, do a lot of bank fishing here. I don't have a boat, but we have some ponds. We fish actually have some, uh, some small rivers. We, we fish up here too. Do you, do you ever do any river fishing? I do. Yeah. I mean, we go up to North Carolina about every, mm. just about every year we go mm-hmm. up to the, uh, Murphy area, uh, Andrews, uh, which is on the Nantahala and I do fly fishing up there. Yeah, great. Yeah, we we catch a lot of. There's trout fishing here, and there's some a uh, um, lot of catfish in the rivers and stuff too. And, and of course, I like catching carp just for fun. But you know, we don't really. I don't really eat those. You, I don't know if you eat those or not. A lot of people do. I have the most. Well, those things. From what I understand, it's the most consumed fish on the planet in in most nations. But here in the United States, we don't really eat them that much. Yeah, those things are tanks, though. I mean, especially yeah. when you catch them on a little ultralight and you're trying to catch bluegill with, with yeah. balls, and all of a sudden you hook into a 50-pound carp or something. Yeah, I've caught some 20-pounders 20, 20 around yeah. here, and they're fun. <laughs> you got yeah. gar down there. I used to catch gar in Tennessee. Those are a battle, too. Those can be yep. a, fun to catch. But we've got gar. We've got long-nosed gar in our, in our lake. I've seen alligator gars in mm-hmm. other areas when I fish the Kissimmee tra- chain and everything, but uh, – Mostly long nose gar, um, yeah. 
and we get those on our leg. We get mudfish out there. We throw, I throw both of those back. I've heard of people eating the guard too, especially the bigger yeah. guard, and just take the the back straps out. Basically, yeah, I tried to. We I caught a, a needle nose guard, a long nose guard on uh, Del Hollow Lake one time out in Tennessee, and and uh, I tried to clean that thing. I couldn't even hardly get through the armor that thing had. I don't even know how you clean one. I don't even know. Yeah, they basically have a machete and a yeah. And they're skinning it that way and then pulling it back with pliers. And then yeah, it, was, it, it was almost impossible to get through with a knife. Like I couldn't even hack through that armor. It had. It was uh, the scales were so thick. Yep. Yeah. I just couldn't get into it. Yeah. So that's interesting. Yeah. So that, you know, that's a whole nother thing. Do you, um, when it comes to cleaning fish, I mean, you have a nice little table set up and you got the whole rig. I mean, really you don't need much more than a knife and a little bit of skill, but it does take some skill to know how to clean different fish. I mean, you clean a catfish really different than a bass or a bluegill or something like that. So, I mean, did you screw up learning that stuff or is that something you kind of had to just experiment with or. I just grew up with it when I was young. Yeah. Dad, uh, my brother and I both at a certain age, he said, Hey, it's time for you to start cleaning the fish. And, uh, <laughs> And so that's how we learned. I mean, he stood there and showed us how to do it. And mm-hmm. uh, uh, here at the house, I don't have anything fancy. I just have a really large cutting board and I do it in the kitchen. Yeah. Um, my wife doesn't mind too much because I clean up really. Well. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We always had a nice little, this little table outside and some uh, hose, you know, clean everything off, get your bucket out. Cause that makes good, you know, and your, your leftovers are good uh, for composting for the garden and things like that. So it's a really good, uh, garden material too. what you got left so yeah 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 now do you do anything other than just freeze the fish or do you uh do you smoke them or do you do anything special like that when you're preserving not for preserving we mostly just freeze it so far i mean we, yeah. we smoke fish and we like we love to make smoke fish dip mm-hmm. uh we you know we'll go over and catch a bunch of mullet or something like that on the coast because mm-hmm. we're, we're only in 45 minutes to an hour to each coast um, yeah here. So we do a lot, a decent amount of uh, saltwater fishing also. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I'll smoke some of that. I'll smoke some of the catfish and make fish dip out of it. Uh, we love that. So. Yeah. Yeah. I know a lot of people who can fish. I mean, they'll can it and they'll, you know, like I said, smoke it. I mean, there's a lot, there's a few ways to preserve it, but if you got the freezer space and that's what you like, yeah, it's the easiest thing to do by far. Mostly I vacuum seal. And so I will, uh, I will take out just enough for our family. We're a family of five. Uh, and so I'll take out just the right amount of fillets for that. And I'll freeze it in individual packs like that. And mm-hmm. I will um, vacuum seal them. They stay really fresh that way. I grew up, my dad always uh, just would fill up the bag full of water and uh, put a little lemon juice in there. And he would oh. freeze it. And then you have this giant block you have to thaw out. And I got yeah. tired of doing that. I really like the vacuum seal and, and having individual packages with just what we need for, for dinner type thing. Yeah, that, that seems to be the most convenient thing, too. I do the same thing with, like, rabbit and quail. Like, I'll put four or five quail in a, you know, after I've cleaned them and put them in a bag and done for a family meal and, uh, you know, do it that way. It's a lot easier. When yeah, you exactly how we do with our, uh, with our, uh, rabbits also. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Those out. <laughs> that's with my video here. <laughs> uh, yeah. I mean, that's, that's a good way to do it. And then like I said, you just, it's convenient, pull it out, open the bag, do your cooking, whatever you got to do. Is there, is there a, some favorite uh, ways you like to, uh, to cook and prepare it. I mean, different fish, I'm sure for different ways. Sure. sure yeah. Um, Leah does, my, that's my wife. She does most of the cooking. Uh, I'll, I do most of the grilling, um, mm-hmm. but uh, I will fry also. We, we love fried fish uh, yeah. we don't that as much. 
because she's cooking it most of the time and she wants to be a little healthier. So, yeah, uh, yeah one of my favorite ways, uh, she loves to do them, uh, bake them in a pan with, uh, I don't know, I can find you the recipe, but uh, Italian tomatoes. And that's really, really oh. good. But I have a, uh, a friend, he was a teacher of mine uh, when I was in high school, and he's now a missionary in Nicaragua. And he comes out and fishes with me when he's on furlough or if he's in town uh, for a conference or something like that. And so we go fishing a lot. And in one year, I had just this bumper crop of jalapenos. And I said, you want to take some of these jalapenos home? He's like, sure, I'll take some. He's like, but you need to make jalapeno chicken. That's what we make down in Nicaragua. And I was like, well, send me the recipe. And it's awesome. It's this cream sauce. Uh, with jalapenos in it, I can get you that recipe. Wow! Too. Yeah, send it along. That sounds great. But I got Leah a lot of jalapenos idea, out here. Yeah, Leah had the idea. She's like, "Let's start cooking the fish that way," and that's probably my favorite way. We bake it in this jalapeno cream sauce that we make with our our jalapenos that we grow. And it's man, that sounds great. Yeah, for sure. Just enough kick. It's not too spicy, and it's nice. Do you ever do like just catfish on the grill or anything like that? Yeah. Yep. Yeah, that's a good one. I mean, simple and I, yeah, salt and pepper and a little grill. And yeah, it's pretty simple, but it tastes great. I like that. Yep. We do primitive camping over uh, in the Canaveral National Seashore. Uh, we do that almost every year. Mm-hmm. Uh, and when we go over there, there's tons. That's the redfish capital of the world. And so we would go out, catch fresh redfish um, and, and fillet them and leave the skin on the back. It's uh mm-hmm. and just grill those right over the fire. Yeah. Um, and just just some old bay seasoning or some of the Cajun seasonings and some butter. And it's it's hard to beat that. Yeah, yeah. I like simple. <laughs> I like simple. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, that sounds now I'm getting hungry. It's almost lunchtime. <laughs> <laughs> uh yeah. I mean fishing, I've always you know, I don't think of it a lot because it's just something I do. We do it all the time. And uh, you know, we uh, when I start talking about putting food in the freezer, I'm thinking about hunting. I'm thinking of those big, you know, I'm thinking about things that give you this bulk food all at once, but yeah, I mean, fishing throughout the year, it's amazing how much food you put up and how much you can supply for your homestead doing that. And even if you're not, you know, graced with a, a lake in your backyard or a river or something running through your backyard, there's a lot of places you can find fish. There's a lot of public lakes, public rivers and things you can go. I don't know what you got down here, but I know here in Indiana, we got them all over the place. Yeah. And um, and we can just go where there's um, campgrounds that have lakes and you can, you can fish at. Um, but so it's really not that hard to find places to fish, but one of the issues, and I don't know what you guys run into down there. Maybe it's cleaner down there, but here there's so much field runoff that there's been a lot of testing done and they've actually discovered there's a lot of chemicals in a lot of the rivers and lakes that they're actually advising you not to eat the fish out of some of those places. And do you have any of that kind of going on down there? I, I heard you talking about that the other day. Mm-hmm. Um, and I haven't, I haven't heard of it here. I'm sure there are certain areas Especially yeah. when you get down into uh, South Florida near Okeechobee, Clewiston area, where there's a big agricultural thing going yeah. on. They're, they're fertilizing constantly uh, the cane fields down there. And I'm sure there would probably be some issues with that. A lot of nitrates in the water. They have um, water processing, or not water processing, water treatment areas where it's basically just these big fields of water Ditches mm-hmm. of water with with hydrilla, just loaded with hydrilla, and that treats it before it goes out. Uh, yeah. Into the um, and so I'm sure in, in, in some of those, I have not heard about it in here, but it wouldn't surprise me. 
yeah, I just ran across some, I think I was on the DNR's website here in Indiana one time and ran across some documentation on them, lakes and rivers that were advised not to eat out of. And I was just surprised because there's a lot of them that I have eaten fish out of. And I was like, wow, that's, that's horrible. You know, that, that we know that that's such a big problem, but yet really nothing's being done to really mitigate that. You know, it just continues to be a problem ongoing, you know, because we got to grow that grain. We got to grow, you know, our corn and our wheat and all of our stuff and we got to spray it because we can't, you know, it's just, kind of it's heartbreaking really to, to know that they're doing that to the to the waterways yep yeah and, and the soil i mean i think the soil. yeah yeah and the soil and it just yeah it's just it's horrible the, the problem that's persisting with that which is why i'm just such a fan of promoting homesteading because the more we're growing our own the more we're you know cleansing our land by doing it proper um I like to use the word redeem, <laughs> redeeming the land. You know, we're bringing it back to where, to where it should be. I mean, we're, we're helping to mitigate that some, but boy, it's such a big problem. And it's just going to take a lot of people getting on board with that. But I think it's something you have to be aware of before you just maybe up and think, well, I'm going to go fill my freezer with the fish out of this lake or this river. Um, you might want to look into that wherever you live. Cause it might, it could be a problem. Absolutely. Sure. Yeah. And I know, I mean, I, you know, I don't spend as much time. I used to fish the Kissimmee chain all the time because I fished mm-hmm. bass tournaments for a long, long time. And the amount of, I haven't heard that it's a problem, but the amount of spray that they do for the hydrilla out there, I can't imagine it's good for you. I mean, yeah. I think that's basically Roundup out there that they're spraying wow. out. Yeah, that's. So, I don't know that for sure. <laughs> don't hold that, but. Yeah, yeah. Who knows what they're spraying, yeah. They, it seems like a lot of thought sometimes isn't putting into what they spray. They just care about the results and, and yeah, that's heartbreaking. But uh, yeah, but then again, people have been uh, convinced that ah, it doesn't hurt you. Just keep on putting it in there and it, and maybe a little doesn't, but when it's, you know, every year for years and years, it, it becomes a, a real problem, you know? Yeah, um, I don't like, I don't like it. Yeah, I don't either. But then I even think about that with like hunting. I do a lot of hunting and I do a lot of deer hunting, squirrel hunting, things like that. And I'm thinking, you know, I look at all these corn plots around here and them deer are eating all that corn with all that spray on it and everything else. And you're eating the deer thinking you're getting a really clean meat, but who knows, you know, just because it's a wild game doesn't mean it hasn't been fed with that stuff. Absolutely. Yes. I think, I think about that as well. So, but we can't, I I don't think you can let yourself to be completely just to spend all your time worrying about every single thing like that, because you just, the stress would kill you if the diet didn't. (laughs) So you have to kind of just accept it and, and try to mitigate it as much as you can and, and go with that. Yes. Sorry. Did you lose me there for a second? You got locked up there for a second. No big deal. You're working now. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, you warned me about your low uh, signal there out in the, out yeah. the boonies. That's the only good thing about having an urban homestead is I got access to the high-speed internet and all that. So <laughs> doesn't eliminate all my problems, though. Yeah, we keep hoping it comes around. that Some people built two lots from us, and we saw them running some cable. We don't know what it is, but we've called all the cable companies and said, hey, did y'all run that out there? Could you Could you bring it just a couple mm-hmm. You know, another hundred yards or whatever, but uh, everybody, all of them, everybody we've called has said, no, I don't think that's us. So I'll tell you what, uh, we do a lot of camping and uh, we got access to this thing called uh, Nomad Internet. Have you heard of that? And it pretty much works. It's for like camping or just rural areas. And it runs through cell phone signals, but it's high, it's true high speed internet, unlimited high speed internet. It's pretty cool. I mean, it's, uh, 
I don't know. I mean, like so we we haven't used it much, but I mean, you can watch movies with it and everything else, and nothing ever nothing ever gives in. So I don't know if that's something maybe in areas like that. It's kind of expensive, but mm-hmm. I've come I've become a little bit addicted to high speed internet for certain things. <laughs> Absolutely, I, us too. I mean, that's we tried the uh, what's the um, Starlink. We tried that. Yeah, didn't work. And that we could we could never find a signal with it. Oh and, wow. We have some friends that live, you know, maybe. 15 minutes down the road, it works great for them, but uh, it never. But you get you get strong uh, cell cell phone signals where you're at. We had to switch to uh, Verizon, and mm-hmm. um, and uh, we have a tower across the lake over there, and so we get really good signal there. But absolutely no other service uh, provider works. Wow. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. You do live out there a little ways, don't you? <laughs> That's good though. It's good in a lot of ways. In some ways, it's not. I guess <laughs> there are challenges to being, you know, rural and and, and having a homestead off, you know, kind of away from things a little bit. I mean, there are those challenges, but definitely probably worth it. I'm sure you trade uh, that for what you got for sure. There's some inconveniences, but they pale in comparison to the benefits of being a little further away from. Yeah, absolutely. By mostly cow pastures, orange orange fields, and blueberry fields. So mm-hmm. um, I like that. I used to haul out of the, you know, back in when I was trucking back in the, down that, down South years and years ago, I used to run oranges out of those orange fields down there. And yeah, that was pretty, uh, pretty nice area. It's a real beautiful area. Now you're dealing with a lot of sandy soil, aren't you? So uh, we're almost exclusively sugar sand out here. Yeah. Yeah. I was going to say, I remember that. So great drainage uh, where we're at, uh, but this used to be, I don't know, in the sixties or something, it used to be all orange field where we're at. Mm -hmm. Um, and I don't know when it was cleared, but our soil was was pretty zapped. Uh, yeah. A lot of mending the soil and for our beds and uh, and our raised beds, uh, but it's it's white. It's, it's yeah. White. So so that's pretty much how you how you fixed it. You just raised beds and brought in your own soil, or now I used to our soil uh, on a lot of it, and I've just added a lot of compost. Um, and Very now I, now I say we we get a, a fairly dark gray sand but it grows Uh, things pretty well then huh but some of the areas will bring in topsoil and and then add that to that compost and those for our raised beds but um for our big garden it's it's just i've just added a lot of compost from the rabbits the chickens from uh sure uh, from our all of our scraps and everything we we keep all those in a common. Yeah, it's def- definitely a little more work to fix the situation down there. But um, if you can, it, you got that benefit of the, the, the year-round temps that really can, you know, open up a lot of opportunity for growing food year-round if you can get that soil fixed. And I know it's a that is something a lot of people, permaculture, there's a lot of people down there practicing permaculture. And and, and I know that that's something they, they really uh, – with the chop and drop and then just the way they, you know, you're continuing to just change that soil. And it's a, it's something that I think works really well, really well down there. Yeah. My, my guavas love it. I mean, we do, and, I, and the guavas are going right now. They also love the heat. Um, we're just coming out of them. I'll be making guava jam hopefully tomorrow or the next day with my daughter. Mm-hmm. Um, and the bananas don't mind it. Um, yeah. Yeah. That's the thing though. You're sticking to native, things that grow well down there. You're probably not growing apples. or <laughs> yeah. you know, So yeah, things like that, because that becomes a whole new problem. You know, I tried Florida peaches and they didn't like our soil. Really? Wow. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, 
but yeah, there, there are certain things, the more tropical fruits and all, they're, they, they do fine. And we get a lot of mangoes, tons of mangoes, tons of avocados. Those go yeah. really well. Um, yeah. All the things I love and I can't grow. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We, it's, it's just it though. You know, you kind of, you can grow out of your zone a little bit, but it takes so much work. You got to, you got to really consider if it's worth it or not. You know, it's like, sometimes it's just really easy to stick what grows well there and just learn to to enjoy it, make the most of it. And, but you can create microclimates and change your soil, do all kinds of things. And it's fun to do that maybe on a small scale in a small area or something. But if you're really wanting heavy production and, and you're doing it for the food and, and you know, want the best crop you can get, yeah, you're best to stick off, stick with things that grow well in your area for sure. Yeah. I've wanted to try to do some of the inside growing like you do with the, the lamps and the, the yeah. beans and everything. And maybe when one of the kids goes to college or whatever, I'll take one of those rooms and do that with it. But right, it it'll almost be just for fun for you, though, because like I said, you can grow most of the year, so you don't really need to. <laughs> true. Yeah. So, yeah, but it is fun. I mean, I love growing stuff. And so I like just the challenge of trying to grow anything anywhere. I, I'm, I'm still thinking about trying to grow like a lemon tree or a banana tree or something on my property somewhere. <laughs> you know, I mean, people do it. It just takes a lot of, you know, finessing and working with it, but it's fun to Absolutely. for an experiment to try to do, but I don't know who's got time for that. Right. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's funny. You, I remember you talking all the time about getting depressed during the winter time and everything. Oh, yeah. It's the opposite here. We, it gets depressing and down here when it's a hundred plus degrees, the summer. You want to just sit in the house and not go outside in that don't you in the winter time is what we all look forward to because it's yeah. it's like spring for all the rest of the yeah right yeah exactly yeah here it's like it well, rachel was just talking this on the podcast we recorded yesterday it's like you know i remember the first year i got a greenhouse i heated that thing all winter long i mean it was like zero degrees outside and i was keeping it about 60 in there you know and, and it was really expensive but i was just surrounded by all this green you know and i'm out there picking cherry tomatoes and cutting lettuce in my greenhouse in January. And, you know, it was, it was I put a snow on the ground around me, which was kind of fun. I remember you talking about that on your podcast. Yeah. Yeah. It's good times, but yeah, I, I don't do that anymore because yeah, it's pretty expensive heating out the greenhouse when it's that cold because they don't have any insulation. <laughs> yeah. So, well, sounds like you're, you know, that's their, so is that your primary method? Well, you say you're raising cows, so you're obviously putting a lot of meat in the freezer there too, probably. Um, but would you say that it's a it's a significant portion of, of the food that you're putting, you're supplying your homestead with? It would be fish. It is, yes. And, and yeah. like you've already said, we've just got such a great resource down here for it. Yeah. With being so close to the coast, you like you like saltwater fish and you like freshwater fish. I mean, we've, we've, we're just surrounded by it. So yeah, we get sure. a, a significant amount of our food from that. Yeah, and it ain't for everybody. Like you say, if you live in an area where it isn't easy to do, maybe, maybe it's not something that you think about supplying your homestead with and maybe it ain't a really viable option or something that's going to, you can provide a lot of meat for your homestead with, but I think a lot of people could, and it's something maybe we don't talk about enough because I know like up in like Alaska and stuff like that, that's like significant, you know, way they supply food for their homesteads and, and, um, and yeah, evidently Florida too. I mean, I, I guess I hadn't thought about it down there about how many, uh, probably, a, it's probably pretty common down there for a lot of people to put a lot of fish in their freezers. It is. Yes. And, yeah. And, 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 you know, it, it is here too, but not probably not as much as there. I mean, I grew up and we always had a lot of fish in the freezer and um, it's just something, I guess this is one of the things I always thought of it more as recreation and enjoying it occasionally than I thought about it as a, as a actual source of, 
food, you know, that you were living on. And um, it is, though. It, it absolutely can be. So I, I think that's, yeah, I think it's a good point. I think until I started listening to your podcast, I kind of saw most of the things like that with hunting and all. It was mostly recreational. We ate what we yeah. shot and everything, but it wasn't this cultivating a lifestyle of eating what right. trying to grow and eat, uh, trying to grow and hunt uh, what you're what you're consuming. And so uh, that's where I think when by listening to your podcast, that's where it kind of shifted for me. Uh, it was mostly sport fishing. I, I, we grew up always eating fish, snook, redfish, trout, yeah. bass, crappie, everything. I mean, my dad always did that, but it was never this, this could be a lifestyle. And right. it really uh, uh, change how, how you eat. But now yeah. that's how it is. Yeah, it's something like I said, I grew up not even thinking about hunting. Like you said, uh, we go deer hunting. It was just a fun thing. And yeah, you ate it, but. I didn't, you know, we'd eat squirrel. We, you know, I love squirrel Squirrel hunting was like something I, it was like when I was a kid, that was like the thing for me. I loved it more than deer hunting because it's just all that action, you know, deer hunting when you're a kid ain't that much fun. You just sit in a stand for hours and hours and hours and may or may not see anything, but you know, squirrel hunting was a lot of action. You know, you got out there and you got busy shooting squirrel and a rabbit same way, you know, we go rabbit hunting and things and, and it was just fun. And yeah, we ate it. We cleaned them. We ate them, but yeah, I didn't think about it as, as a meat source for our family, you know, until I kind of got on the mindset of homesteading. And it's like, wow, we put a lot of meat in our freezer doing these things and and fishing, too, you know, and, and just don't think about it. But once you get in that mindset, everything you're putting in that refrigerator, that freezer or in a canning jar or smoking and or dehydrating or whatever, everything you do, you're thinking food source, food source, you know, and you're thinking that's something I don't have to go to the store and purchase now. Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, I've shifted from being a game fisherman to I'm I'm much more interested in how many one to two pounders I can catch out on our lake. I mean, don't get me wrong, when I catch, <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm excited about it, and I, I'm going to take a lot of pictures. But I'm out there more to see what we can do to stock in the freezer and stuff. You know what? If you can homestead and and supply your food, but also have fun doing it. Like I love gardening. You know, I love raising animals. I love hunting and fishing. If you love doing these things, it just makes that lifestyle a lot much better. I mean, if it's just like, Oh, you know, the, the drudgery of putting food in the freezer, well then you might as well just work a job and buy the stuff. <laughs> you know what I mean? But it just pay for everything up front. I mean, you could, you could just pay the farmer to raise it for you and get it yourself. But when you love it, it just makes it all worth it, you know, and you love fishing, you love catching them big ones, you know, that you got to throw back occasionally. And that's great. You know, and I, you know, I love deer hunting and I'll shoot a, I'll shoot a doe and, and put it in the freezer. But, you know, if I see a 16 point buck walk up on me, I'm going to get, I'm going to get really excited. You know what I mean? Even though the meat, part, well, it's they don't, yeah, yeah. You get the shakes from it. You know, you're gonna get pretty excited. So it's like, yeah, there's some fun in it. You know, there's some, some excitement and there's a joy in, going above and beyond maybe what you have to have to get that something extra but yeah i mean enjoy it i, I think that's great that you're 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 having fun fishing for those those trophies too you know i think that's great well and, and here like you said even with the gardening i mean it's year round we can fish year round it, there, there's mm-hmm. certainly there's there's seasons on certain things snapper grouper uh snook uh but most of our fish bass and all you're, you've got the same limits all year long. Mm-hmm. It's not, I, I love the duck hunt, but I don't, that's, that's two and a half months out of the year that I get a duck hunt. I'll stuff, stock the freezer with duck that we'll eat on all year long uh, yeah. to, to the next season. But to be able to go out and do it any month in the, in the year 
and uh, and still provide uh, for your homestead. I think it's, yeah. it's something that's unique versus hunting. For, for sure, yeah. Well, we can fish year round too. We just have to have an auger to cut through the ice to do it. Yeah. <laughs> I don't do any of that. I'm not into that. Uh, but there's a lot of people around here that do. I mean, they look forward to the ice fishing. They think it's fun, you know, and especially if you go up north, you got Minnesota, Wisconsin, those areas. They, that's that's a major part of their lifestyle up there. And and I think it provides for their homestead, you know, in, in the winter months as well. So I think it's a big part of what they do as well. So, yeah, it's, I think it's great that you can get out there and continue to provide. And you got the blessing of living in Florida, like you said, where you can do it year round. So you can, you may not even have to put as much in an actual freezer and store because you can continue to go out and get it fresh. Yeah. So you don't have to keep, you know, hundreds of pounds on stock at all times because you can just continue to provide, which is great in the garden as well. And here we have to be thinking a lot more about preserving, you know, even the garden, the hunting, the fishing, everything we have to think about preserving, you know, and putting it up where, yeah, if you can keep it on hoof, keep it in the lake and keep it, uh, keep it in the, in the garden bed. That's a lot less work. Just eat it fresh for sure. Yeah, right. Yeah. We'll, we'll stock up uh, in the freezer, you know, I, I don't know, uh, a month's worth or whatever. And then we go yeah. back out and, and, and stock it up again. And in between, we just throw everything back. Um, I, of course, it's always better when it's fresh and it hasn't been frozen at all. Uh, yeah. I have a friend that says life's too short to eat frozen fish. Uh, <laughs> I don't mind it. Well, of course, I've never, I don't know. I mean, we eat a lot of fresh, but I guess. I don't he's a, fish, he's a fish monger too. So he can get fresh fish whenever he wants to. So okay. Yeah. Yeah. He's, yeah. he's distributing it at the markets and everything. So no problem. For him. <laughs> uh, I guess if you're privileged enough, yeah, you can, you can live that way. <laughs> yeah. But vacuum sealing them, the, the fresh water, the saltwater fish too. Long Backing seal it really well and throw it in the freezer. I mean, you can hardly tell the difference. Yeah, I've never once did any saltwater fishing, so I don't. That's something I is totally out of my realm. I don't know anything about it. We got to get you down here. <laughs> I'm gonna. I'm actually gonna be down there next month for about three days. But oh, I'll yeah? be going down to Fort Lauderdale. Me and my wife are going down to Fort Lauderdale okay. for a couple of days. Yeah, for, but I'm not gonna do any fishing. <laughs> We're just gonna hang out. Oh, it's great fishing down there in Fort Lauderdale. Yeah, yeah, that's what I hear. I mean, a lot of people go down there just for that. You know, they'll make a special trip and spend a week fishing and come back home. You know, I don't know what the the rules are taken or fishing out of state like that, but. Uh, Seems complicated. Uh, just got to get an out of state, out of state fishing license, and you mm-hmm. can do it. Uh, but down there now, they're it's warm enough year round that they're getting peacock bass and the cichlids and all kinds of crazy, crazy things, tropical fish that have been released down there. Wow! But uh, yeah. yeah. That's a whole new world to me. I don't know nothing about that, but it sounds fun. I mean, it sounds like I watched, I watched on YouTube. I watch these guys catching these monsters out, you know, out there on the, on the ocean and stuff. And I'm like, that's just, that's amazing. You know, to catch a fish that big, I don't that would just be, I don't even know what I would do. <laughs> just to see some of them bass you're catching. I don't know what I'd do with something like that. That'd be just amazing. I think the biggest bass I've ever caught maybe a six pounder. <laughs> I mean, I can't imagine what you're catching down there. Well, we don't catch big ones every time we're out, but. You know, it, it's funny. I mean, you'll go, you'll catch 30, 40 small ones, and then you hook into one that feels like it's not going to come off the bottom or that you're stuck on something. And then it starts running and you're like, oh, yeah, that's not, that's not a one pounder. That's a, that's a bigger fish. Yeah. That, that's kind of like, the carp, that's kind of like the carp fishing up here, I guess. <laughs> we catch those 25 pound carp. <laughs> yeah. And that's when you start getting those shakes that you were talking about with the, yeah, with deer. Or whatever. my son said, when I pulled that, that 11-7 in, 
Uh, and finally landed it. He was like, you didn't look like you were having fun at all. And I was like, I wasn't. I wasn't fun at all. I was so nervous it was going to come off. Yeah. You kept jumping. Don't, don't come off. <laughs> yeah, I've been there. I actually uh, shot at a buck one time twice, missed it twice because I was shaking. So it, 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 it jumped about 10 feet, stopped again. I got it with a bow, not a gun. And I was, I was bow hunting, shot at it again, missed it again, and it ran off. And I was like, you got to be kidding me. I just made two bad shots on the same deer. How does that happen? But I was just so nervous. You know, your hands are shaking because it's a, such a monster deer, you know. And, um, especially with bow hunting. Oh yeah. I like, but I like bow hunting cause I like the challenge of it and stuff. And I, I just, you know, gun, I mean, I'll go out with a gun the first time just to fill the freezer, but then I love the sport of going out with a bow and doing some bow hunting. I haven't done any real bow hunting. I've got lots of friends that do, but we do bow fishing a lot. I forgot to mention. Yeah. We've got yep. lots of big tilapia uh, in our lakes around here and in our lake also. And so we We've got a, a reel on our on our bows and, you know, mm -hmm. cheap bows that you can get at the pawn shop or something, that not, nothing special, 55-pound uh, type thing. And you just go out yep. there and, uh, a, and clean up on – it's a lot of fun. Uh, they do it here too, but it's mostly just sport and it's mostly just carp people do it yeah. with around here. Yeah, they dig – you know, it's – it's. I mean, I've done it once with some carp and it was fun. It is a good time, but, yeah, you're not – again if you're eating that if you're shooting something you're eating but you can eat carp like i said i i just we grew up fishing for carp and we always put them back i don't know i just something we never cleaned and ate i guess there was a trick to cleaning them to make them you know because they got a mud vein and things like that in but a lot of people do and a lot of people eat them and it's probably something i need to learn how to do and try because we do catch a lot of carp and it seems like a lot of meat getting wasted and if you knew how to clean them properly and eat them and cook them right i hear they're good when they're done right well that's how it was when i grew up with tilapia that was a trash fish and we didn't yeah. you know if we caught them or we shot them we gave them to somebody else and they ate them. wow and we're buying them in the market up here <laughs> and, yeah now they're in all, every five-star restaurant that you go around yeah and it's the preferred fish for aquaponics everybody's yeah. raising them in their aquaponics you know for for me yeah they're delicious <laughs> well, i love them once i finally tried one, i was like this is not a trash fish at all this is great yeah, it's amazing how you get a, a mindset about something because the way you're raised or whatever, and then you find out, wow, that was amazing, you know. Yeah. yeah. So, well, that's that's good information, yeah. And I think I encourage a lot of people to um, get started. If you're not a fisherman or, or you know, you, maybe you've just never thought of something you enjoy, try it. Go out with somebody who is a fisherman. Let them kind of show you the ropes. Uh, you know, get you just a, a basic reel. I mean, I you're probably an open face reel guy, you know, big big reels and things like that. You know, I'm, I'm close. I'm a close face reel. You know, we, we do it the easy way now up here. I, mean, I do. And, uh, you know, you get something simple that you can use, get out there and, um, you know, stick in a string and a hook, you can catch something, but you know, if you had to, but do the easiest thing you can do, go out with somebody maybe that knows what they're doing, do a little bank fishing or go out on a boat with somebody and, and let them show you a few things. Cause I think once you catch a few fish, you're, you know, hooked so to speak i'll just throw that in there i think you get hooked on fishing and um it's a lot of fun and and if you enjoy eating fish yeah there's you know i think it's a good way to supply for your homestead but um yeah give it a try if somebody's new to it give it a try you know i think it's something worth doing i mean there's nothing cheaper than a cane pole and, and you know it's and and bread and a hook and, yeah, and like we said at the beginning, panfish are the best eating. I mean, you yeah. got to catch a bunch of bluegill off the bank, and yeah. that's some great eating right there. Love it's them. One of the easiest things you can do, and yeah. it's the cheapest way that you can fish, and you can load up on a ton of fish. Yeah. That way. 
Okay. Yeah, you can literally be into it for about ten bucks total or something, or yeah, you go out there and catch a bunch of fish. Yeah, I mean it's not a, it's not expensive, mm-hmm. but you can even get a cheap, you know, decent fishing pole, reel, and everything for a really good price. You can go to Walmart and buy something, you know, and it's yeah. you don't have to get fancy. That's what I'm getting at. You just it doesn't have to be something fancy. You don't have to go all out and have all the toys, and you can definitely put a lot of fish in the freezer. Uh, you know, and try it uh, because I think it's a good way. Maybe, maybe there's a lot of people out there who, who have just been sport fishermen, you know, and they haven't really thought about that. Like you said, you didn't think about it as a means of actually providing for your homestead until you really changed that, got into that that homesteading mindset. So maybe you're, maybe someone out there listening to this, they can, I love to fish. I mean, I just never thought out of it as being a, a way to put a lot of food in the, in the freezer, you know, and it is, it can be for sure. Well, and that becomes that, shifts it, it, with that paradigm shift that becomes the exciting part it's not so much i'm just going i'm, I'm disappointed if i don't catch something bigger than a, a pounder or, or a bunch of bluegills now i'm excited when i catch yeah a bunch of bluegill and yeah a bunch of one pounders and so yeah it, it, it adds a, it actually adds a layer of satisfaction to even going out there and fishing that you didn't have before for sure it makes it a, a better time because you're, you're you're pleased with what you're getting no matter what it is. So, well, that's good stuff. And uh, I guess uh, if you don't have anything to add, we'll close up there and uh, no, tell these fine folks goodbye. Yeah. I think it was great information. I appreciate you coming on talking to us about, it. like I said, it's a big part of what you're doing and I'm going to make it a bigger part of what I'm doing. Like I said, we enjoy it. My grandson loves fishing and you know what? I think it'd be a good lesson for him to learn that, you know what, this ain't just for fun. We can, you know, this is something we can provide for our families with, you know, and, and actually put some food on the table. And I think it's a lesson he needs to learn. Yeah, you know, my granddaughter as well. And she's just getting into it. She's a little younger. But, uh, yeah, I think it's it's good to to raise our kids to think beyond just the sport of it and to think of it as provision and, you know, enjoy it for what it is and being more than just fun. So it's good stuff. Well, I appreciate you coming on and, and talking to me. About appreciate it. you having me on.